On this episode of the podcast, I tell the guys the story of the man behind several second-tier professional hockey leagues. Second-tier? Like, their first-tier. Like no, think of it as it's NCAA Division One, but it's the division, division like that, like... A? Yeah. With the FCS, FBS. Yes, think of FCS, FBS. Think NBA, ABA. Is it like the UFL and the... Uh, we're about to go through NFL. like a thousand letters. Right? We're about to go through more letters than the federal government has. <laughs> more awesome. acronyms than you can imagine. And it's going to be splendid. So Good why luck. don't we go on ahead and recline that sofa and loosen that tie? Because this is Mismanaged. Welcome to Mismanaged, a weekly podcast where we kick back and criticize the failings of paid sports professionals while also offering them foolproof solutions to all their management woes. I'm Austin Egan. I'm Josh Sleazy. And I'm Nathaniel Westover. Let's get into it. This week, we are discussing some WHA, RHI, and GHL history. That means nothing to me. Oh, it will. It will mean something to you very soon. Basically, it's hockey week, everyone. Uh, good news, there isn't a trigger warning this week unless you believe Tier 2 sports leagues are victims of incumbent leagues that are too entrenched to be overtaken. Tier 2 sports leagues are the only thing I watch, actually. So. Yeah, you know, your XFL, AFL, ah. AFF, AQ, ABQ, PBS, ABC. And sponsors like you. So R.I.P. to the ABA, AAF, WHA, and all of their ilk. Alright, let's get into it. This week, we are talking about one of the most significant sports entrepreneurs in American history. But you've almost definitely never heard of him. His name is... Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. XFL, XFL Part 2. And that's the story. Yeah, let's have a three-part series (laughs) on the XFL. That's what everyone's waiting for. Honestly, it might do well. (laughs) No, we are talking about Dennis A. Murphy. Murphy is a fascinating sports figure, honestly, who dabbled in several fields of professional athletics. So let's start with a little background information on the man before digging into his hockey-specific pursuits. So uh, buckle in, folks, and let's kick it. Tell me about Dennis. All right. Murphy was born on September 4th, 1926 in Shanghai, China. What a year. Oh. What a place. And it's he's still sweet. kicking it. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what? At 94 years old, he's still yes, hanging Dennis. out. He's he's just waiting to start a new league. Oh, it's time. I think, I think the world's ready for it. A veteran of both World War II and the Korean War, he studied economics at USC and became a marketing executive for one of the largest civil engineering firms in California. Nice. So, very accomplished individual. And I'm sure very wealthy. Uh, Probably a bit. (laughs) Given the number of leagues he starts, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yeah, there was some wealth involved. Some disposable income. (laughs) Eventually, Murphy would also become mayor of Buena Park, California. (laughs) Nice. That is where he would become acquainted with future Raiders owner Al Davis through a mutual friend. My man. This is where he first delved into the world of sports entrepreneurship. Partnering with Davis, Murphy pursued establishing a franchise for the AFL in Anaheim. But before it could get off the ground, the NFL and AFL merged. In 1960, 
Davis agreed to terms of the merger that no teams would be added to Los Angeles and established the Oakland franchise. Yay! Raiders! Great news for a lot of people, but not great for Murphy, because this marks the first of many collapses in his <laughs> sports endeavors. He got so close. They, they, were like, about to, they were about to get a franchise in Anaheim. Yeah. And then the AFL was like, we don't exist anymore. He had his foot in the door, and then they just slammed the door on him. Yeah. And Al Davis was the one slamming the door. He's like, sorry, buddy! Yeah, no, it's it's unfortunate. And honestly, Murphy comes across pretty good over this entire story, but everything he touches collapses. Oh, real nice guy. <laughs> Opposite of King Midas. Yes. Everything turns to trash. <laughs> Following this defeat, Murphy set his sights on professional basketball. At this point in the time, the NBA only consisted of a dozen teams, but was gaining steam after outlasting competition from the American Basketball League. Murphy partnered with lawyer Gary Davidson and created the ever-famous American Basketball Association. Yay! Yeah! The ABA. We love the ABA. We are huge ABA fans. Roybo! Bring back the tricolor ball. <laughs> yes. The ABA was, without a doubt, the height of Murphy's impact on the professional sports landscape. Murphy's League popularized the three-point shot conceived by the American Basketball League and introduced the slam dunk contest. Unfortunately, the league would fold after a few years and be absorbed by the NBA, as we have covered pretty thoroughly in so other, other episodes. Oh, we are we love those guys. They're always in our hearts, though. I wish I had the time, honestly, to go through, because he has a lot of leagues, just to go through all of the different franchises, and we will in one of them, but... There are some some wacky, wacky names. It's amazing. (laughs) My favorite still is the the Colt 45. Yes. Before they changed the Astros. That was in Texas, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Houston Colt 45. That's amazing. (laughs) Luckily, Murphy had already conceived two other professional sports leagues. (laughs) Don't worry, guys. I've got some backups. (laughs) Before before the ABA folded, he had started in... uh, instituted these other two leagues so he was had a lot of things moving at the same time it's almost like maybe if he focused on one thing there he would have succeeded there's an argument to be made maybe one of the leagues was the world team tennis a mixed gender tennis league based on a team format that still operates to this day nice okay so he was successful I had a cup, few hiatuses. <laughs> there, Take let's, a couple years off. It comes and goes. Let's call it iterations. Nice. <laughs> and the other being the World Hockey Association. Mm. Enter the bulk of this week's episode and the topical re- relevance of professional hockey. The WHA was created as a response to some of the NHL's glaring faults. At the time, 1972... Mm-hmm. The NHL was made up of only 14 teams, 11 American and 3 Canadian. It had an average salary of $25,000, which was the lowest of the four major sports. That makes sense. Uh, Yeah, that tracks. And it relied heavily upon the infamous reserve clause, Mm. which automatically extended expired contracts by one year. Chris. So it would never end. (laughs) The contract that never ends. You either sign a new deal with the team or you just keep getting one-year deals forever. It's like the franchise tag kind of but forever but forever yeah (laughs) less profitable for the player and forever within one year of the WHA's conception Murphy had secured 12 franchises they are as follows that seems like a lot to bite off like if the NHL only has 14 yeah like we're starting our own but we're already jumping to 12 we're gonna start with 12 (laughs) it's not like 
the NHL had the has the original six. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they only started with six. You know, and that's a nice thing that you picked up on, because that is a common <laughs> theme throughout all of his leagues. He fights off way he, more than he can chew. He wants to start where the, his competition <laughs> oh, is. No. Yes. And it's one of the flaws. Um, but we'll dig into that later. Let's first go in over these 12 franchises. We have the New England Whalers. Nice. The Calgary Broncos. We briefly mentioned them in mine. The Brett Hall. Yeah. Yeah. The Miami Screaming Eagles. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> so far, that's the front runner. Yes. The Ottawa Nationals. Yeah. The New York Raiders. Always love a Raider. Winnipeg Jets. They're still alive. They are still alive. <laughs> yeah. The Los Angeles Aces. The Minnesota Fighting Saints. Okay. Yes. I'm back on board. All right. The Alberta Oilers. Okay. The mm. Chicago Cougars. <laughs> I couldn't be up air. The Dayton Arrows. Dayton, Dayton Ohio? Dayton, Ohio. Ohio. I, I have to imagine because I can't think of another Dayton. I just assumed. <laughs> Is there another prominent Dayton somewhere? Not that I know of. Not that I would risk. I just don't want it to be Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, yeah right? And the San Francisco Sharks. Yay! Ooh, so so you, can ar- you can already tell there are a few places and names that appear in modern they were hockey. Close. Yeah. <laughs> and they ring a few bells. So obviously the WHA makes an impact. <laughs> All right. Well, we know now Miami needs a hockey team, and they need to be the Screaming Eagles. Yes. Bring it back. Please. I really. I should have. I went through a couple of them. I googled their like logos and things. I kind of want to buy some Miami Screaming Eagle merch. Mm. If you can find it. If I can find it, I will. <laughs> Absolutely. Otherwise, we'll make our own. Yes. I'm sure there's no laws or anything. <laughs> They're not copyrighted no copy. or anything like that. <laughs> the WHA also promised higher salaries than the NHL and refused to utilize any sort of reserve clause, stating their belief that it would eventually be rejected by players, leagues, fans, Congress, and and the Supreme Court. And the world. <laughs> and the world. The and law of the land will tell you no. And God himself. <laughs> <laughs> so far, the WHA sounds like a dream. And it was, both in the negative and positive <laughs> way. <laughs> By the time they started their first season, the WHA had poached 67 NHL players, including Ooh. such names as Gary Cheevers and Derek Turk Sanderson. Nice. But the crown jewel was NHL star Bobby Hole, oh. who signed a 10-year, $2.7 million contract, the largest in hockey history at the time. The NHL, of course, attempted to prevent these defections through legal action, but were often thwarted as United States federal courts refused to sign off on preventative action against the WHA. The Blackhawks attempted to retain Hull, but only succeeded in issuing a restraining order against Hull and his new team, the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> Wait, Winnipeg, you're not allowed to come anywhere near us. <laughs> you keep your Canadian city <laughs> over there. Winnipeg is just Don't you dare come to our city. Canada. Yeah, no, it's Cam- I looked into this one because it seemed weird. Yeah. Uh, all I was able to really pick up from it was they ha- filed a restraining order that stayed into effect until their legal dispute was settled. So basically until they could find out if like they could keep whole, they're like, you stay away from us until we know we can take you back. <laughs> or it was weird. But also, I couldn't get anything like why on the Jets. Yeah, like, <clears throat> we're not going to play the Jets in our home stadium. You guys can't come over here and play hockey against us at all. That's the thing. They didn't even play each other. They're two separate leagues. (laughs) They're not even in the same league. (laughs) (laughs) 
so that one was interesting. Uh, in addition, uh, Murphy and the WHA utilized the legal actions instigated by the NHL to challenge the legality of the reserve clause. Within a year, an injunction had been placed against the NHL that nullified the reserve clause and ushered in a new era of professional hockey. So, so far... Pay your players better! Great success. But, let's go back to what Josh pointed out. You're starting off sprinting. Yes. It's like... <laughs> they did not crawl. They did not walk. They yeah. just started sprinting. It's like this NASCAR, and you're like <laughs> trying to drop your car in in the middle of... <laughs> you're on the Civic in the middle of this NASCAR race. So, they're offering these all this money, and you have to ask yourself, where is it coming from? That's a good <clears> point. <throat> I mean, these cities aren't the biggest markets. No, Dayton? Like, two of them are bigger markets. They've got Miami, they've got San Francisco. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's about it. Chicago. Dis- but not Chicago. They got the Cougars. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, no, they went to challenge some teams. They're like, some of these markets are big enough for two. Which, sure. Yeah. Despite these successes, the WHA was immediately plagued by a myriad of problems, but primarily by financial instability. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Before the beginning of the inaugural season, both the Dayton Arrows and the San Francisco Sharks relocated. So before the first game was played. <laughs> so I know we promised that we played in San Francisco, but really it's it's just not working out. I mean, there's too much going on. It's too much going there's on too over many there. Hills. Way it's too many. It's all sloped. The Arrows had to relocate because there was neither an arena or any interest for ice hockey in Dayton, Ohio. And nobody <laughs> they, wants to live in wait, Dayton, Ohio. They were going to put a team in a place without looking to see if they could have an arena there? You would be shocked at how common this will Again, happen. bit off more than he could chew. He basically just, like, closed his eyes and pointed at a map and was like, and Dayton. Murphy he just had- threw... Uh, darts at a map. Murphy yeah. and Davidson, the year because they announced their intention to create the league in '71, and the first game wasn't played until fall of '72. So it's about a year and a half, two years process. They spent that whole first year traveling the country, securing franchise owners. That's all they did was getting anyone who would agree to it. <laughs> Anybody who has money to <clears throat> agree to it. Yeah, essentially. So the arrows would become the Houston Arrows. A E R O S. So it's a little like different. A so the first one was Dayton Arrows, bow and arrow. The next one was Houston Arrows, as in like aerodynamics. That doesn't do it for me. It does no. not do it for me either. <laughs> I'm sure they thought it was clever, though. The Sharks lost funding and had to sell their franchise to some Quebec businessmen. They would become the Quebec Nordiques, who we've hey. also talked about. Who would have to sell themselves and go to Colorado. Oof, yeah. Also, before the first game was played, the Miami Screaming Eagles and Calgary Broncos folded. No. R.I.P. The you o- were the chosen one. They the were. The bright, Calgary. Don't worry. It'll I was take, like two more teams. Oh, I think I was. We were devastated by Miami. Yeah, yeah. So that's. Fair. <laughs> I mean, I was. Yeah, no, personally. I when it was I the Screaming Eagles for me. When I got to that part of my research, I was devastated. And he wept quietly. Oh, it was oh, not it quiet. quiet. <laughs> it was loud. There were noise complaints. <laughs> The owners of the Miami franchise, with Murphy's support, put most of their resources towards a unique arena. Okay. An ice rink built using four different office buildings as walls. The Executive Square Arena. Wait. What? Sounds like a dumb idea. Let me walk you through I, it. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. So basically, uh-huh. you know office buildings. I've heard of them. You go in there, you work, there's yes. windows. Yep. 
high power executives. Basically, yeah. you build one, and then you build three more in such a way that there's kind of like a courtyard in the middle. So these weren't existing buildings that they found, and they were like, we can just put an ice rink in the middle. That is correct. They had to build all the buildings themselves. That is correct. All right. Enter the problem. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they discovered halfway through that it was incredibly expensive and violated a series of zoning regulations. Because yep, <laughs> yep. they still have to cover it because they're in Miami. They can't just have open ice. Sure they can. It'd become a swimming pool. Some of these places did. <laughs> and that's fine. You've never seen ice hockey players swim? It's no. <laughs> water, ice, polo, hockey puck the puck floats right the puck floats and you can use oh your, now your... that's a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> the puck floats <laughs> you tm use, you can use your uh, stick as like a flotation device that's smart doggy paddle with it <laughs> unable to find another suitable location their franchise agreement was terminated and the rights were sold they would become the philadelphia blazers don't know how that mascot makes sense for that town but we'll roll <laughs> it, with it, it does on a wilder turn of events, the owner of the Calgary Broncos... How is this wilder? Well, the owner of the Calgary Broncos died. Oh, no! <laughs> so the franchise was sold and became the Cleveland Crusaders. Uh, again, with the city of Ohio. <laughs> Learn your lesson. <laughs> How many times are we going to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> Just kicking Ohio. <laughs> the New York Raiders were also put through the ringer. Be prepared for a little bit of a New Jersey net situation. No. Yeah. Originally intended to be the crown jewel of the WHA. Nothing good happens in Jersey, so <laughs> it's already flawed. Well, they're not in Jersey yet. Okay. <laughs> they haven't even gotten there yet. The Raiders plan to play at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, eventual home of the ABA Nets, uh, when they came to the NBA. But Nassau County didn't believe the WHA was a real league. Are you sure? So they went to work convincing the New York Rangers to relinquish their territorial monopoly and allow the NHL to place a franchise in Long Island, the Islanders. R.I.P. Westover, it's not going well. It's not. It's not. He's currently watching the Islanders rip his heart out against his penguins. It's okay, buddy. Maybe next year. At least we know what we need to do in the offseason. Fire everyone. Find a goalie. Ah, yes, quite. Please don't trade for Mark Andre Fleury. Why not? Bring him back. He's so... I want it, but no. <laughs> Tom Brady's old. You don't see him crying. Yeah. He's not a goalie. Well. He's got you there. Fair enough. <laughs> the Islanders locked in a contractual agreement to play at Nassau Coliseum. The barn. Forcing the Raiders to rent space at Madison Square Garden and pay rent to the New York Rangers. Yay! Obviously, the Raiders had no control in this situation, as the Rangers charged an absurdly high rent and did not do anything to improve the team's poor attendance. The situation got so unstable that the WHA took control of the franchise halfway through the inaugural season. Cool. Nice. Uh, After the first season, the WHA found a buyer for the franchise, and the team became the New York Golden Blades. Wait. Awesome. I'm back. I'm not sure... The, this is my new favorite team. Yeah, their logo was a pair of ice skates, and the skates were gold. Uh, so it's not like cool not blades. Nearly as cool as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, might as well be golden skates. <laughs> golden shoes. Ah, uh, the New York golden shoes. I mean, with their basketball teams, the New York Knickerbockers, which is shorts. So. <laughs> or weird pants. I don't know. <laughs> 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 short yeah. pants. Depends on how tall the individual is. <laughs> 
However, they still had to rent space in Madison Square Garden and were forced into a Sunday-only schedule due to high rent and arena scheduling conflicts. Nothing like some Sunday hockey. (laughs) They could only play and practice in the arena on Sundays. It's garbage. Once again, the situation became unstable and the WHA took control of the team partway through the season. Finally realizing they would never succeed under the skates of the Rangers. A little fun hockey thing. The WHA moved the team to New Jersey, naming them the Jersey Knights. In classic New Jersey form, the new ice rink was sloped and had a chain link fence rather than plexiglass. Oh no. It was gross. That would suck. (laughs) I kind of love it. To get boarded against that would be unfortunate. They also didn't really have dressing rooms. They were more like closets. Yeah, it was it was rough. Classic jersey. Everyone had to bring their own gears too. So, yeah, <laughs> All you the carried your equipment. Were mismatch and you had to change outside. <laughs> you were responsible to clean your jersey between games. Oh yeah, the, you only got one. <laughs> the Ottawa Nationals soon became the Toronto Toros and faced a similar dilemma as the Raiders. In Toronto, they had to lease space at the Maple Leaf Gardens, oh, no. home of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The drama of the two leagues under one roof was further complicated by the fact that the Toros owner, John F. Bassett, was the son of a former part owner of the Maple Leaves. <gasps> and Papa Bassett's business partners were still a little pissy because Bassett left very badly. Oh no. Oh no. The majority partner of the Maple Leaves, Harold Ballard, was serving a prison sentence for fraud and tax evasion at the time and was unable to prevent the Toros from leasing the arena. Cool, cool guy. <laughs> yeah, cool awesome. guy. But he got out on parole just in time for them to start playing. Yeah, so nice. just in time, paid off the right people. <laughs> and he proceeded to gouge the Toros financially, as well as sabotaging them by dimming the lights before games and removing cushions from seats, being quoted as saying, let them buy their own cushions. These brutal conditions soon forced the Toros to move to Birmingham. Alabama? Once again, I would have to imagine it's Canada, but I would so love if it was Birmingham, Alabama. Scared them straight down south. (laughs) All the way to the bottom of America. It was clear that the franchises of the WHA were unable to achieve sustainability with regards to their financials or fan interest. Mostly because they just got bullied by established NHL teams. Or their owners died, or they (laughs) wanted to build a weird niche arena. Or nobody wanted to have an NHL team in Dayton, you know. Oh, poor. (laughs) Poor Dayton Arrows. You'll get a professional franchise at some point. No. This was evidenced by the fact that the WHA constantly offered enormous contracts with little to no regard for how to balance their budgets. The best example of this was when the Philadelphia Blazers signed Derek Sanderson to the largest active sports contract in the world of $2.6 million, which was higher than the Brazilian football star Pele. Uh, I say active because obviously the whole deal, like that eventually fell apart. What do you mean? Well, (laughs) so the two... But, you know, it's wild. It's it's wrong. <laughs> it, yeah, come on. <laughs> you should know better. Most franchises shelled out boatloads of money for one star and no support players, which resulted in some terrible hockey, low attendance, and no profit. <laughs> Yay. Furthermore, in its seven years of operation, the WHA featured 27 different variations of franchises due to consistent financial collapses. 
By the end of the league's existence, only six teams remained. I mean, the original se- six. Seven years. Or the is, final six. Seven years is more than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, seven <laughs> years. Seven years in 2017. <laughs> yeah, no, it's insane. <laughs> the WHA experienced a few more successes, such as signing NHL legend Gordie Howe and normalizing the signing of European talent. It even debuted several ge- generational talents, most notably the GOAT, Wayne Gretzky, who started his career with the Indiana Racers. Nice. And then obviously went on to the Edmonton Oilers, who was, were a WHA team. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, the WHA was unsustainable and eventually merged with the NHL, granting expansions for Edmonton, Hartford, Quebec City, and Winnipeg. Thanks, Canada. Murphy wasn't done with his sports endeavors yet. He took a quick turn back to basketball, <laughs> creating the International Basketball League, another professional league that sought to add twists to the traditional game, the most notable being a height restriction of six feet four inches and below. But why? I think he was probably tired of seeing all <laughs> those big guys. I think, in my mind, I didn't take too much time because it's a hockey episode. Sure. So I didn't dive into this one. But in my mind, it has is probably like, oh, it's more pure form of the game because you're not just relying on like physical attributes that like you were just given you're just blessed with you have to learn the game everyone's bored of watching these huge people be very good at basketball yeah no it's all about the art for me that's why i watch sports (laughs) the love of the game when i get home i take off my blue collar and put (laughs) take get my beer to watch performance art it's gonna be great gross Yeah, but yeah, no, that was his thing. That didn't go well. Uh, Murphy soon pivoted back to hockey, attempting to create the Global Hockey League. We're going global yeah. now. <laughs> yes, America. we were the World Hockey Association. <laughs> now we are the Global Hockey League. <laughs> the league was planned to begin with six North American teams and expand to twenty teams the next year. Okay, yeah, <laughs> too many teams. Was Dennis, good, come on, good. start, start small. Expand. Expand exponentially. Start small. Explode. And it's not just North American teams. It would be 20 teams spanning North America and Europe. Yes. Uh, the list, they and a lot of them were in Europe. It was like Milan, uh, Berlin. There was one in Czechoslovakia. Have you tried going to South America yet? I hear they're crazy about hockey down there. Mm, at this time, it's probably scary. Although Eastern Europe at this time is probably scary. <laughs> <laughs> um... The league would eliminate the red line, shorten distance between goals, use halves instead of periods, heavily penalize fighting, and institute a $2.5 million salary cap. See, he's starting to learn. (laughs) (laughs) You can't just pay people whatever they want. Unfortunately, the logistics were a nightmare, and franchise owners couldn't agree on a unified vision for the future of the league. The league was postponed to resolve these issues, but ultimately the project was scrapped. I mean, that makes sense. I imagine expanding like internationally would have so many like more. There's so much more red tape involved. Yeah, with like starting businesses in Europe. Yeah, and the Berlin Wall had like just fallen because <laughs> this was 1990. Hooray! Woof. Yeah, which was the whole idea. That's like all of his concepts are about capitalizing on a flaw he sees in the moment. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So like doesn't have much foresight. In yeah, he's like, oh, the NHL doesn't have teams in these big markets, and oh, their players are upset about these contracts. Looks like a great opportunity. I gotta capitalize on it right now. Right now. With 12 teams. It falls apart. 
Still looking to make a splash in the hockey scene, Murphy decided to blend the professional hockey with inline skating, creating Roller Hockey International. Oh my goodness. Oh Wait. yeah. Yes, yes. Roller Blades. Yes. Oh no. Yes. Oh yes. I'm here for it. The league's talent pool consisted mostly of minor league players recruited to play in the league's league during the NHL's offseason. The league had no guaranteed contracts. Cool. Instead, mm. teams would split prize money. <laughs> Prize <laughs> money like Here, a raffle. I got you this gift card. Thanks for playing. I like how with each progressive league, he's learning, but his leagues are also getting trashier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Murphy believed the RHI could become the most popular hockey league in the country. He he had said that. It become <laughs> the most popular roller hockey league in the in the nation. But that's about it. Yeah, I don't even know if it accomplished then, that. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, it suffered from the same faults as his other leagues. Nobody wanted to watch roller hockey. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> Unstable franchises and league offices, little media coverage, and low attendance. Additionally, it suffered from Murphy's ambition and buckled under the logistical nightmare his goals created. How many teams did he try to create with this one? Does About it 50. It didn't, it didn't say. Uh, it probably did say. It was. It wasn't a lot. It was like at least a dozen. I think though. Okay. It was like again. It was at still least a bit. Yeah. <laughs> the league faded away with the inline skating craze after five years. Nice. <laughs> five years, not bad. Yeah. Right. That, honestly, was not this the nineties? Yes. This makes sense. To yeah. This is the nineties. Well, because there was a story that I didn't. Cho- I chose not to include in this, but he like was inspired by seeing kids on rollerblades in the sure. street and he was like huh i'm seeing all these kids on rollerblades these days those are like skates that's hip that's in that's, that's like the new hockey. that's the future ice is boring summer ice is forever is <laughs> ice is cold <laughs> i mean they could actually build their like office building roller rink now yeah right Miami, that'd be dope if they did this but yeah just use this uh the squash <laughs> racket courts that aren't being used. I don't know what people do. The RHI attempted a comeback, but ultimately failed. Murphy has not attempted another league creation since. He's still Aww. got time, though. He, he does have time. I'm not sure if he has the, the motivation. <laughs> in summation, Dennis Murphy was an incredible innovator and visionary in professional sports, introducing revolutionary concepts and challenging the entrenched tradi- traditions of incumbent leagues but he was never able to capitalize on his own inventions, constantly facing instability and financial insecurity. He had some great ideas that changed the face of sports, but ultimately his leagues were mismanaged. Well, we can at least thank him for the ABA and the three-point shot. And honestly, the WHA did a lot of good. It got rid of the The reserve reserve clause, did wonders for European talent. Because before the WHA, the NHL did not dip into the European <laughs> pool. No. It was all Canada and America. And that was it. <clears throat> so, Capitals, you're welcome for Ovechkin. Signed, Dennis Murphy. Uh, Thanks, God bless. Dennis. Thanks, Dennis. You're a real one. But yeah, I saw it. He also created like a softball league. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. He, there were like seven or nine different leagues he created. <clears throat> Good so man. Many. Good man, Murphy. Man. Now that we presented uh, one of the worst management moves in NHL history, not NHL, but it's hockey, so bear with us. Hockey history. Hockey history. We feel comfortable and confident in presenting our own proposals 
To those GMs and owners and front office goons that we believe need our amateur help to make their professional decisions, Josh, will you go ahead and kick us off? I would be honored. My dear GM this week goes out to Seattle Kraken GM Ron Francis. Ron, my man, you've got an expansion draft coming up soon, and I just want to wish you the best of luck. I know that historically expansion teams have some growing pains through the first couple of years. Not those Vegas Knights. Not those Vegas Knights. <laughs> That's my next sentence. Not everyone can be the Golden Knights who reach the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year. Hey. But you've got a great city whose fans are absolutely nuts about their soccer and football teams. And you've got an epic mascot. If you can get some good players to build you around your team and your fan base, then you're going to be just fine. I'm rooting for you, Ron. What's over? I pass wow. it to you. Ooh. Good guy, Ron. Good guy, Ron. Ron Francis. Two My... first names. <laughs> My dear GM goes out to Brian McClellan, mm. general manager of the Washington Capitals. Brian, it's the beginning of a new era, whether you recognize it or not. The old Capitals are aging out, and you're about to come into a handful of cap space that you haven't had for a while, especially with Ovechkin's contract leaving your books. Now the Pens fan in me says, re-sign him to a ton of money. Let your team continue to get, to get old with too many players making too much money to build a contending team. You currently have six players with no movement clauses, so they automatically have to be protected in the upcoming expansion draft. Why not trade a few players out who you probably couldn't protect anyways for a player who could be the new face of your franchise? My proposal is this. The Capitals trade recently acquired Anthony Mantha, Carl Haglin, a 2022 first-round pick and a 23 second-round pick to acquire disgruntled forward Connor McDavid uh, from the Edmonton Oilers. The Connor McDavid, the best player in NHL. MVP? He's not going to win MVP. Maybe. Uh, McDavid's unhappy and wants out. Capitals are in a different division, a tougher division, and it would be great to see McDavid play against real competition and not the really bad Canadian division that he played against this year. Didn't they just get bounced from the playoffs, though? They're about to. Ooh. Woof. Sorry, guy. Yeah, it'd, it'd be great to see him play against some real competition at the cost of him playing against my pens several times a year. You know, I'm proud of you. That was this very a, big of you. This is a big step for it you. It was only <laughs> Pittsburgh-related, like, adjacently. Oh, yeah. I spent about an hour trying to figure <laughs> out how to get McDavid to Pittsburgh. Of course you did. That's gross. You know, I take it back. Money. I'm mad that you even tried. He makes <laughs> so much money. My dear GM goes out to Florida Panthers owner, Vinny Viola, which is an instrument. <laughs> He's the inventor. That's how he made all his money. <laughs> Vinny? As big of a market as it is, South Florida has proven to be a terrible market for an ice hockey team. What? Your squad isn't popular. No. The only thing keeping you from being the least popular team is the fact that the Kraken now exists and haven't had time to gain a fan base. Hooray! You also have one of the lowest operating incomes of any NHL team. There are better markets out there. <laughs> That's so it's a Just, lateral move, but hear me out. You're renaming your franchise the Screaming Eagles. Eagles. Uh, I, you know what? <laughs> Scrap what I was going to say. That. Rename the team the Miami Screaming Eagles. Look, I know you guys are in the playoffs, but that doesn't create... If that doesn't create a larger fan base, you're in trouble. I suggest you take your time, but ultimately you should move the team to either Houston or Milwaukee. Houston is the best option. 
It's a huge market, has great tax breaks, and would thrive off of a rivalry with the Dallas Stars. Milwaukee is also a solid choice. Hockey is a northern sport, after all, and the region is rich with rivalry. You could immediately be accepted by the state of Wisconsin as you stand against foes such as the Wild, Blackhawks, and Red Wings. Those Midwestern states love hating each other. They do. Yeah. And the fact that Wisconsin doesn't have an NHL team kind of shocking, right? is shocking. There's a market for it. Also, you know, with the Aaron Rodgers stuff in Green Bay, and if Giannis and the Bucks disappoint again, they'll be looking to cheer for someone. How, so are, the, how are the Brewers doing? Brewers, uh, I think they're like third in the division. Mm. The Cardinals have gotten hot. Oh. I don't care about the Cardinals. I guess that's adjacent to how the Brewers are doing. Yeah. But still. Anyways, so Wisconsin could be the move. Maybe they're looking to get a little uh, frisky on the rink, if you know what I'm saying. I don't know what that was. I don't <laughs> want to know what oh. that was. But yeah, relocation for days, my guy. Or, hear me out, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to do an expansion and bring us in, oh, we could... we'll, we'll put an expansion in Milwaukee together. We'll... We'll put a proposal together for any anybody looking to get in. We could run the heck out of that team. Mm-hmm. Into the ground, into the stratosphere. I don't Who's know. Who's to say? Very low ceiling, very Co- high floor. Clearly, we know don't bite off more than you can chew. We're going to put the first NHL team on the moon. That would be awesome. That's a Miami <laughs> Screaming Eagle move right there. Can we have a team in Milwaukee and call them the Miami Screaming Eagles? Yes. That's amazing. Let's do that. But for now, that's the pod. If you enjoyed this or any of our other episodes, please remember to give us a like or a follow. Maybe even leave a review. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you may listen to our podcasts. We also sell merchandise now, and you can find the links to said merchandise in our Twitter and Instagram. I gotta make money, guys. Come on. We do not make money off of this. <laughs> so please buy some merchandise. Yes, I've quit my job and this is all I need. <laughs> please. That was a horrible decision. In the words, I did. Oh, no. <laughs> but I didn't think he'd do it's it. It's called mismanaged, guys. Come on. Someone's hey. got to In the words of former NHO head coach Scotty Bowman, quote, high sticking, tripping, Slashing, spearing, charging, hooking, fighting, unsportsmanlike conduct, interference, roughing. Everything else is just figure skating. Unquote. Thanks for listening, and remember, (laughs) this was mismanaged. Goodbye!